Alright guys, uh, we're back. We have second episode. Uh, welcome everyone. We have Fred, Fred from CTNet, the CEO of CTNet. And, uh, yeah. and uh, we have uh, Kevin from Popofire. Thank you so much for being back. And uh, we have our guest, Ibra. Uh, he's straight from UK. Ibra, you can hear us. You can teach us, introduce yourself. I'm Ibrahim Kadongo. I currently work with the Chartered Bank. I have a bit of experience in cybersecurity about those years. Previously from a consulting background, but now in banking. So, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming. All right, guys. Uh, this is our second episode, as I introduced it. Um, so, we'll talk a little bit about uh, a few things that, uh, that a few queries that are asked by guys. So, the first question was that uh, our podcast is a little bit longer. Uh, most of the podcasts are actually about like uh, almost uh, 60 minutes. Like if you actually listen to Darknet Diaries, <laughs> it's actually 60 minutes. Um, other podcasts are more than that minutes. So, but anyway, for us, we're going to try and make it at least uh, 20 minutes, right? Right, guys? Yeah, that's cool. All right, yeah. all, right. all right, all right, no problem. All right, guys. Um, uh, Ibra, you can tell us much more about what's happening in UK. As far yeah. as the collaboration yeah, in the agency is concerned. Yeah, we're happy, happy to discuss as, as we go along. Um, so I think at the moment there's quite a lot of uh, activity just around tech and pushing innovation all over the place. So a lot of digital banks popping up all over, which creates a, a big avenue for cybersecurity professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the current trends on ransomware are still going on for the next couple of years. I think that's, that's what will bring us the bread and butter in cybersecurity still. All right. and, and there's a lot of regulation. So mm. I think I'm, I'm happy to discuss that as we go along in the various topics. Oh. Um, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, what about this thing about uh, how are they collaborating with the public and the, uh, the, the, the government and the private sector? Is there a good, uh, a good collaboration? Because uh, as far as we have seen, Israel, they have tried, they have done their best. Uh, when Fred was there, he witnessed it manually. Actually, manually, not automatically. <laughs> so how is it? How is the collaboration between uh, the government and the, the private sector over there? Yeah, so, so I, I think at the moment it's quite uh, healthy uh, because we have a more mature regulatory landscape for personal data security. Mm-hmm. And because of GDPR and the implementation of GDPR in some of the countries, uh, so the EBA, as an example, the, the European Banking Association mm-hmm. recently published uh, an ICT regulation for mm-hmm. risk management, which focuses a lot on some of the hygiene controls uh, for the banking sector. Uh, but uh, within the UK at the moment, the National Cybersecurity Council, as an example, has set out a guideline that is used for small businesses, for private companies, that is quite fundamental uh, in the way that it looks at uh, cybersecurity. So they call it the 10 steps to yeah. cybersecurity. Uh-huh. And this was built on surveys that they did for the public where people just came in and said, we don't really understand cybersecurity, give us a like form of a, a cheat sheet or a very simple way of implementing security within our spaces. For more of the complex organizations, like uh, the larger ones, they have um, sort of forums where they they invite consultation to regulation, mm-hmm. as well as um, just um, sort of uh, the what's called the defense forces or most of the guys who are in police make mm-hmm. it into the private sector and and give those skills from our. Um, uh, sort of intelligence perspective into private sector, and, and that has seen 
uh, most of the organizations are mature a bit more. All right, all right. You know, when I, when I met you first uh, back in the days, uh, you are not so many jail like you are right now. <laughs> uh, you are a shell guy back in, the, in those days <laughs> yeah. of Anastasia. Yeah. I think I met you when you were working in Anastasia, uh, right? <laughs> Nairobi. <laughs> yes, 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 I think, I think well, our first interaction was very embarrassing for me. Uh, it was my first contact, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I remember we were trying, we were trying to just you know, play around with some, some basic tools. And yeah, yeah, I think I think the maturity of uh, some of these cyber security services has really grown leaps and bounds in East Africa. Mm-hmm. Because of guys like you, Chooks, who've been uh, challenging people to go for be- world, world best practice rather than just settling for for um, a very low level skill. Yeah, yeah, because, some, because, some, because, the, yeah because the bad guys are taking advantage of it because uh, you see like uh, uh, the the hackers who are in banks, they're using normal tools from GitHub. Uh, and if you have a writing uh, test done for you, and uh, these guys came and tested you with Mimikazi, and uh, you are able to, as the blue team, you're able to capture it, and uh, you're able to know which machines are still vulnerable to password interception with Mimikazi and other, or other tools. You can actually be able to yeah. protect those machines even when these hackers come. Because these hackers are actually just normal bottom feeders. They're not Apex printers uh, who are good in nation states who write their own Mimikatsi title version with C++ and C. Um, these guys yeah, will go down yeah. something on GitHub. They come and install it to you in the banking sector or banking network. And it works because no one tested that bank or no one tested that financial institution. With that same tool during a red team assessment, and you find that uh, the guys who say they are going to come and do red team, <laughs> they end up uh, doing internal pen testing, which is actually a l- happens a lot. Actually, I remember the first time we did a red team with you. I think we did a crazy one. You remember that uh, where we, we actually took yeah, remember, support remember, team with a uh, yeah. with a pizza, <laughs> and we went in at nine and yeah. able to pick up pick up the passwords for connecting to the Wi-Fi, and then from Wi-Fi we were able to laterally move. Uh, to their machines. And what made it worse is that uh, they had R&D servers in default passwords. So you could, let, you could log in, <laughs> you could log into the, the servers, SSH, yeah. uh, via default password, and you find the, the configs of uh, the PHP files are the same as the configs on live servers. <laughs> So actually, yeah, it's a basic hygiene issue, which needs to be tested. Yeah, okay. to so wow, Chucks, I, yeah. I have a question. Right? Yeah. So how, you know, I heard you say it, pizza delivery. Mm-hmm. So how how did you how did you so what did you was first of all we had to, we had to figure it was almost at the end of the year it was around uh, I think almost Christmas so what you ah, did perfect was, timing eh? yeah so what he did was that uh, we realized one of the directors never comes to their office but he writes emails and stuff then you also realize yeah. they have support team overnight and we knew which office they stay in. Because we did surveillance of that of that place for almost a week uh, from long range and also from uh, during when you're doing the dumpster diving because we did dumpster diving with oh, okay. the guy I was working on the field yeah. with and we collected all the receipts and everything and you could see what happens and we saw that they buy pizza a lot at night so we knew they like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the first thing we did was that uh, we made a call and pretended to be that uh, director who is actually the chairman of the company right now. And after we pretended that uh, we are actually uh, work for him, we are actually like uh, we have been contracted to deliver pizza to the support team. They were so happy, were telling us they come at round eight, and all the other guys who have left, all that stuff. So we found uh, three guys. <laughs> so what I did was that I went and bought pizza. I took a bike. I rented a bike, <laughs> motorbike. 
<laughs> and I'm a very bad rider on motorbikes. And uh, I came to the office and uh, pretended to be a, a delivery guy. So as I gave the pizza, I, I, I sat down to them, can you guys give me your, your Wi-Fi connection? Then they gave me the Wi-Fi for business, you know, the one that's connected, not the one for guests. I told them, give me this Wi-Fi. I need to connect and check a few things for the receipts and also the payments and stuff. They gave me the Wi-Fi. Then what he did is that after he got the Wi-Fi, all he just did was to rent an office below them. Uh, the ones that, yeah, those yeah. Offices, what they call those offices where you rent like a cubicle and you start operations. It's like, yeah, they're like um, virtual offices. Yeah, yeah virtual yeah, offices. Uh, so, virtual. Yeah. <laughs> that was back in 2012, I think, <laughs> or 2013. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, That's yeah. early, long time ago. Um, so we sat there and we ran operations now connected to the, to the, to the, to the business Wi-Fi. And we found the servers used for R&D. That's scary. And then we logged into the R&D servers and we found the source code for all the applications we are using on live systems that are going to even to client networks. So oh, this config yeah. for the databases had, um, and the MySQL, they were using MySQL a lot. And MySQL was vulnerable. That, those days, you remember, it had a remote code execution kind of uh, uh, vulnerability. Yeah. And... Uh, after you get the DB, you can use MySQL to remote execute to Linux system and get root. So we were having root to all the systems that are taken to these other banks <laughs> and these other organizations for access, like, like full access, because we were taking these systems to the, to the clients, because they were being used for transactions and other operations. So it was uh, a bit uh, crazy, and they were realized where the vulnerability is, that where the hanging foot is, I think by now they are really, really hard in the, their network. Let me ask, such type of uh, assessment, mm-hmm. assume a normal, a normal circle mm-hmm. in Kenya. Yeah. How, how, can, how can they actually um, be able to afford such? Because honestly, maybe doing such a team assessment mm-hmm. is a bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest, I think um, from where I sit, because at that time when working with Chooks, the way that you package the project is that it's not a pen test, a normal pen test. You still use sort of the same budget as a pen test, but it is a targeted mm-hmm. attack. It's a targeted attack to the most critical assets within the organization. Yeah. So if they know they have a core banking system or a database which has all their customers and manages most of their payments, that's the target. You don't care about anything else until you get to that target. And you do you, you you do everything in your ability, both physical as well as well as logical, mm-hmm. to try and access that that sort of asset. Mm-hmm. But markets like like you've seen the UK and Hong Kong as an example, they regulate actually mandate most organizations to do it annually. So there are certain organizations uh, okay. that yeah. it's mm-hmm. mandatory nice. for them to do it annually, whether they like it or not, and they have to mm-hmm. submit that report to the regulator. After that, the regulator goes through a, a sort of um, supervision. A phase of about six months to make sure that those gaps are closed. So I think now for us, if it's in Kenya, then maybe CBK or the IRA or insurance companies or Mosacos, if they are a, a different regulator, that regulator needs to put these things in place so that they mandate that most of them close off these gaps. Amazing. Yeah, that's actually the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I would also uh, maybe um, another issue that would come up is is it that we lack capacity in terms of technical capacity or because if you look at the banking sector already there are those guidelines by the central bank um, for them to be able to comply but we've seen a lot of um, um, attacks 
targeting the same banks. Does it mean that the regulator himself, they are maybe failing on their part, or is it the banking that is? Maybe this is, is something to do with collaboration because uh, professionals like us, do we really have a platform to share the kind of um, discussion that we're having at the moment? Where we know what the attackers are doing, mm. but the regulation really catching up with, with some of that in terms of how they supervise, um, in terms of attestation, care metrics that they have to submit on a monthly basis, mm. on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis. And this, these are things which are very fundamental. As I said, if it's just demonstrating that your internet banking has no vulnerabilities and mm. you're actually closing vulnerabilities, and you have a, one report that you, um, you submit monthly to the regulator, that's a very simple thing to put into regulation. But I, I think just that conversation and having it proactively so that people identify that this is happening, something that is happening in another country and can easily be replicated. Yeah, yeah actually, just to what Ibrahim said, um, and to also add up on the same, um, you see, even when you uh, if it, the push comes from the regulators, I believe it should be backed up by facts. Like, fine, we want to, you know, conduct a rating, but, you know, what kind of rating are you conducting? What kind of intelligence are you using mm -hmm. to drive the rating assessments which you want to conduct? Like, for instance, um, in, in our local area in Kenya, we have to understand the kinds of threats that you're facing from local adversaries first, and then totally. um, you know yeah. this would be easily be mapped into you know the, the kinds of red team assessments that you need to have to mm -hmm. actually be able to understand the impact which that might have, and also to also have a look at the current detection um, uh, methodology that is being used in organization, and to see you know if, if it was an actual attack, how you know how would our detection do. And where would we suck at it, and how now do we you know become better and better each and every day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and so we need to make sure that uh, I think one thing you need to make sure is that uh, the guys who are doing the like the CBK, they need to actually start demanding. Like, uh, uh, have you tested with this uh, this uh, TTP that's being used by this group? Have you tested her as a exactly, yeah. device like yeah. a, like a land turtle? Like a lot of banks right now are getting land turtles. Have you tested? Uh, uh, if a land turtle can be brought in and hooked up to the network, <laughs> you, know, yep. you need to show yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. they brought. Uh, yeah. Why are you guys able to protect it? And then also the banks need to have uh, the, the financial institution mostly, uh, the circles, the microfinance, they need to have blue teams in the network. When the red team starts, yep. they should actually be able on the other end knowing that not actually not be knowing how a red team is to go, but they should be doing their normal work and they should also start detecting uh, the red team attacks that are being done by this company which has been had, but they should not be knowing that actually these guys are come. The only person who be knowing is that maybe the CEO or the CTO of the organization, right? <laughs> so they can they can be tested how whether they are capable of uh, of stopping the attack, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. The problem. Yeah. Also, I I also add directly mm -hmm. um, the few organizations, especially yeah. in the financial sector. Mm -hmm. I think from the top, that is where the problem is. Yeah. Because if, if you know, for us, the IT and the cyber security community, not learned to simplify the language to the management, especially the board. The board are not mostly interested in jargons, mm -hmm. the technical jargons. So when you go to the board of directors and we are, you know, we are trying to discuss about uh, cyber risk and how they are supposed to spend, let's say, 10 million Kenya shillings, the question they will always ask, what mm. is the return on the security investment on mm. this amount? Mm. So if 
as a technical person, you are not able to quantify that amount uh, or to tie the amount to a risk, like how much or whatever they are going to gain if they use that amount. And then you can be assured that the, the budget may not be approved. And this is now where you find that um, um, a whole institution doesn't have, they have a logical cybersecurity department not doing much apart from when there is an incident this is the time that they are activated mm -hmm. that's the thing yeah even government it's actually mm. like that <laughs> people rush yeah. in when there's a problem yeah there's no proactivity i think to be honest when it, when it uh, hits most of this organization where it cuts and that's the money um because the, the trend like here in the uk called pay flows where there's a lot of extortion from criminal groups mm -hmm. where they target just real businesses and they pass uh, money which is fraudulent through their accounts because these are accounts which are already whitelisted uh, there are certain, there are certain limits that they, they already uh, processed through the banking system therefore if one fraudulent transaction passes through their, their, their from their system it really won't raise the red flag from a perspective and and you know i think back to what um, kevin said that, that understanding of the threat landscape for kenya at the moment mm -hmm. and being able to communicate that in terms of monitoring figures or um, just uh, the reputation damage that it can cause uh, to such institutions mm -hmm. is what might sell um such such, such um sort of initiatives to some of those executives um in terms of whether it's quantifiable or not it's really difficult to quantify the return on investment it's mm -hmm. mostly qualitative rather than quantitative mm -hmm. uh, for, for a board member or for, for some of these guys not unless it's a service that's being offered for, to a certain product because for that now you have a customer confidence index that you can say maybe between one and ten if somebody knows that there's a certificate that's been issued by x company that uh, this environment is secure and this product is secure because of xyz control then that has a direct impact to your customers right but if it's just the internal system, then it's a bit more difficult to quantify that. All right, all right. So right. You, have, you have a long way to go. <laughs> Kevin? Sure. But now, mm -hmm. no, the best thing is that, uh, is that uh, we have uh, people like yeah. Ibra, Tris, they'll come and share whatever they have learned mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's the whole point of this conversation. So that we, when we are sharing this content and and some of these uh, trends that are happening out here, is that we just take them up and run with them. In your next job, choose in your next job, Kevin mm -hmm. or um, just have this conversation yeah. from these execs, and that that changes the mentality of how we move forward. Mm -hmm. I, I would really be pleased if we can invite, if you can invite somebody from the regulator, mm -hmm. or even um, somebody who is an executive from uh, just talk about what he sees from an executive perspective yeah. and how they interact with cybersecurity from where they sit. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the conversation would be very different from that perspective now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And also we need a lot, a lot of awareness to these people because uh, there's, uh, there's less of that in the country right now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kevin, uh, you want to you talk about something else? Like, uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. We were, we were supposed to talk about uh, what demo started before he left uh, PS Demo. I think you guys all remember him, right? Um, uh, when he started that thing, uh, that opinion system of bringing in uh, a special consultants, uh, which uh, ended up building what he called the Cyber Command, uh, which was at the Ministry of Information. I think, uh, uh, Fred, you were there in that meeting, right? When it was started. 
that day, mm, that yeah, morning, yeah. that early morning. Um, so uh, I think the thing was that uh, one thing that we need to tell people is uh, the reasons why why people are not proactive. I mean, they, they end up changing the world. They end up changing things because of something that happens. So for Kenya, the reason why uh, yeah. cyber and cyber command became important to the country is because of the, the group Anonymous. You guys remember Anonymous Kenya? And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right now, right now they have gone quiet. Most of them. <laughs> so uh, they died. They died uh, off. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, Anonymous had so many groups actually in Kenya. There was the main Anonymous Umbrella. Uh, and we had Anonymous mm. Kenya, we had, we had Economy Crew. <laughs> <laughs> we had another group, that was, there was another group called Mahaka, another group called Mau Mau. I don't know if you guys were able to hear about these things. Right? So it was a full, uh, it was a full, uh, a full group that was being tracked by uh, government back in the days. And uh, <laughs> that's the reason why actually Cyber Command was opened, because... Uh, because government was very vulnerable. Websites were being, were being defaced in Howley. Like, you'll find, like, 100 websites defaced in one week. And they are, these guys were defacing on them on a Friday evening. So that, because <laughs> they knew government guys won't work uh, on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday was when they're coming up in the afternoon to figure out things. So the, the websites are still defaced <laughs> for almost a whole weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, the biggest uh, the biggest attack is was when uh, the Ministry of Defense email server was also breached. I think you know that was a bit for Zimbra. It was a very bad vulnerability. And uh, that yeah, zebra. You remember local local file inclusion. Yeah, zebra. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, I, I think that's the one that uh, actually made people now now wake up, and uh, yeah, that's where it all started. Yeah, and uh, by that time, uh, Peace Domo had already left. I think was he was still in the ministry, or he left. He had left by then, right? I think he was just about to leave. Yeah, yeah. Just about to leave. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was, that... was just after the discovery also of the Chinese uh, cyber command center, if I'm not wrong, to around the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a cyber place there. They were, mm-hmm. they were using here in uh, what is this place called? Uh, near the UN. What is it called? That area. I forgot the name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Gigiri. yeah, those sites, and they had a big house, and then they made a mistake of burning one of the servers so that they can the incriminating information cannot be found. Uh, it was a big case, though. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we have come so far. We have come far from where we yeah, were back in the days. And, uh, yeah. and also, uh, how about the issue of uh, our young people briefly uh, being lured into cyber criminals? Yeah, that's another issue which yes. is happening a lot. Yeah. Uh, you find yeah, actually, it's something else. I also, I also to mention. You know, it's it's a very interesting something that we should discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I personally have heard about it. Um, you know, from young guys. Yeah, um, everyone is aspiring to get into cyber, you know, cyber security for the purposes of only knowing how to work. I remember there's a time I was going back home and I met three young guys. They were discussing on their plans uh, as, as they moved to the campus, and their main agenda was, you know, I just want to finish campus, learn how to hack, and make money out of it. I really felt bad. Yeah, it's very sad. Right now, the economy is very bad in the country, so people are looking for shortcuts and handouts. And you find that this guy is coming from school, he has learned how to set up a Ubuntu server, he has learned how to set up a, a network, an AD network, he has learned how to do other things on the internet. And so he wants just get, get a quick, a quick, uh, quick, some quick buck and some quick money. And uh, these uh, hacker uh, leaders, hacker group leaders, the leaders, the, the leaders themselves, people like the one who, the guys who are arrested in uh, Rwanda and other places, uh, uh, they yeah. approach these young boys and tell them, let's do the first one you see, let's do the first one. So the guy earns about maybe 100k. The guy has never touched mm. or seen 100k in, on his desk. 
it's just like the, it's just like these money mules. The money mules themselves. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. Are, they are they are from ghetto. They are approached by these guys with uh, with registered uh, mm. visa cards. They are told to go and withdraw money from maybe Kisumu or Nakuru or Nyeri, and they mm. go and they are given around 20k for withdrawals and all that those operations they have done. But they have mm. brought in more than 500 mil in a bag today. The guy, mm-hmm. so he is okay taking twenty k or fifty k, and this is the money he has never seen yeah. in life because he's more of a guy who gets twenty one soak for maybe digging a um, taro somewhere in the for a fiber connection. So when he's giving fifty k, man, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. It's the same thing with the young boys uh, when they are approached, they do their yeah. first job, they get one hundred k, he get hooked up. He wants to learn more. So he, when we are doing operations, they are just going to Gita and YouTube, learning a few things. When they use those things. <laughs> To uh, to penetrate uh, financial sector <laughs> with money. Yeah, but, and it's, it's very interesting that you say that because um, I remember back in the day I was also approached by one of the threat groups. I don't know which one it was, but mm-hmm. um, I'm sure it was linked maybe the sideline card mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. And and this case approached me. It was a windy somewhere in Parkland, and he offered me ten thousand to quit my job and go and work for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, if it no, a fraud type is only converted when opportunity meets motive. For me, I think maybe I didn't have the opportunity or to, I didn't really need the money. But I can imagine how many people are lured to such mm. amounts of money, and and how easy it is to convert somebody who's even doing it from an ethical perspective, and yeah. is lured to to take a suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the problem, the, one of the problem is that um, these people. Uh, they do not have a sustaining process where after they they do the recruitment of these young people, mm-hmm. the moment they use you and um, they are done with you, they can even kill you. Yeah, that's yeah, the other yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's if, that's if they notice you, you might sell them, yeah. Because so, it's a lot of money, man. Because when you're dealing with more, with more than 50 million, people can kill you for that. So I don't even know why people... Uh, and, and, these young and boys are also, like, young people, they need to know. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, one of the things that uh, people they need to know mm-hmm. is that um, um, it, it takes time. These things takes time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 2010, 2011, uh, so, some some young men would ask me, you know, uh, why can't you hack a TM and you know you you get a lot of money, you know you drive <laughs> this and that. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time to build trust, to build integrity, to build a career mm-hmm. um money will start coming mm-hmm. actually you you grow into the into the money it's like mm-hmm. not the the other way yeah that's the thing uh, money the will always follow you don't, don't be in a hurry mm-hmm. no. yeah don't be in a hurry yeah. money will always follow you it will always be there to never go it's just like when you are in school you're being told girls are going to be there all the time don't rush to girls <laughs> 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 we never listen <laughs> we never listen it's the same thing with uh, building a career a career will always be there for you just build yeah. it from the ground up. Just yeah. like though you build a house. Don't rush into things. Uh, it takes a while to get to where you are. It takes years, but you need to have that uh, that uh, ability to actually continue pushing and pushing and learning every time you're learning something, yeah. something new. You uh, you go to classes, you go to, to blogs, you go to YouTube and all those places. Just fight as much as you can to learn and practice. Learn, practice. And the other thing is yeah. this. Uh, the government right now is offering what you call internship uh, for people. We have uh, the ICRA, which is that... Uh, which is in, in, in CBT also. And you have, uh, in the Ministry of Information, you have Big Talent, which is under uh, ICT authority. And all these are uh, platforms for these young guys who are coming out of college, out of universities, out of uh, even high school, 
who are who are interested in in cyber and, and ICT and the other stuff, other other cyber engineering stuff, and they can yeah. work with governments as interns. And the other thing you're going to get is something we call clearance. You're going to get at least, at least even a low level clearance for you to actually be involved in special stuff, which is which are very exciting, especially in doing something to save the country or to to avoid uh, something from happening. It's one of the most fulfilling things you'll ever do for your country, you know. And uh, these are some of the things I need to tell the young guys so that they can actually know that they can do something and they can learn at the same time. Because you see, a government will have more than, uh, like Kenya government has more than more than 5,000 servers. And workstations yeah. which are on government core communication network has more than 10,000 to almost 20,000 machines, workstations. There's a play field. Mm-hmm. It's a play field for you to learn and uh, to be able to defend and to actually operate yeah. and build things. This is the best time you give, five, you give, you give yourself five years uh, working for the government and get out. You'll be a professional. And yeah. Instead of going there to yeah. go by and, and one thing, just, mm-hmm. yeah, just to add, yeah. just to add on that, add on that point. Mm. One thing that I, I, I saw in Israel is that um, there is a compulsory every young person, either after um, college or university, to be able to join the military for yeah. So and when they do that, most of the time they are not paid, mm-hmm. but you know they are taught some of the best uh, character-wise dealing with people. And from there, that shapes them into the future. Actually, most companies, they wait for these guys when they are graduating after that one-year period mm-hmm. at the military. Mm-hmm. They are the best to work for most of the companies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Home, yeah. guys, as early as um, first year, they have already started uh, teaching themselves how to hack and, you know, yeah. uh, drive big cars. Yeah, yeah. Big cars are not, are not bad, but mm-hmm. now the time, mm-hmm. the time, the time mm-hmm. matters. Mm. Yeah, it becomes right. a bit of a challenge. In, in the UK at the moment, the National Cybersecurity Council are doing an internship or vetted internships to some of the big banks mm-hmm. so that, or some of the bigger institutions. So they take these individuals, they do their background checks and so on, they register them on their website. Mm-hmm. Then if you're an organization that is a bit worried about the background of an individual wants to pick them up, they already registered. So they go there and they pick up somebody who's going to be a star basically in cybersecurity. Yeah. So amazing, guys. Uh, we, have, we have run out of time in 10 minutes, by the way. We're supposed to close by, by 20 minutes. Right now, we are like 30 minutes out. So I think, uh, Fred, you can wait, wait up for us and uh, we can uh, close up the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, team. Thank you for everyone. Thank you, Chooks. Thank yeah. you, Kevin. Thank yeah. you, Ibra. In a few minutes to share and, um, you know, uh, create that awareness for us our own interest, but for the interests of our country, mm-hmm. generations. And uh, as we, the more we do this, we encourage other people to be able to join us, yeah. uh, to be able to create as much uh, as, mm-hmm. uh, as, much as possible. Yeah. As possible. That mm-hmm. cyber resiliency mm-hmm. in most organizations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask questions at next time we will address each and every question. All Thank right. you. All right. Yeah, All right, cool. guys. Thank you. Thank you Bye-bye. guys so much for today. Uh, we'll meet up. Uh, I think we'll do another record movie in the next two, two weeks or three. Uh, what do you guys do? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah? Yeah, cool. yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Okay, uh, cool. Thanks so much, Marvin. Thank you, Ibra. Ibra, thank cool. you. Uh, we'll talk soon uh, on the other side. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ibra. No, All right. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.